What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Today we here with Miss Tiffany Mitchell. Now she's our guest today to talk about what happened with her husband. And those of you first time joining us on the Phil Scott Audio Experience, we thank you for joining us. But we want to get to our guest um, soon as possible. So, Miss Tiffany, thank you for joining the show. I appreciate you. All right, so Tiffany, how long were you and your husband married? Um, we have been married. It was four years in June. We had our anniversary. We've been together for seven years coming up in November. Okay. So where, where did you guys meet? Um, we met in Phoenix, Arizona. I was actually looking to relocate from Idaho, um, and moved to Phoenix, Arizona. And so I saved up a bunch of money and was going out there to find a house. And, um, I was on a dating website called plenty of fish and, um, Cedric hit me up and said he wanted to meet me. And so I met him. Uh, I was there for 10 days. I met him five days into my visit, spent the last five days with him. My flight came home on a Sunday, and by Tuesday, he was here to visit, but he never left. And so we've been together ever since. You know, that's quite interesting that you mentioned plenty of fish because, um, you know, me and my wife have been married eight years in December, and that's how we originally met, through that website. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of people think it's bizarre because, you know, there's not too many people you find that actually get married from dating websites, but here we are. Yes, it, it, it do happen. You know, now from what I heard today, I had a friend of mine kind of show me that website, and now it's no, it was more simple and streamlined, at least back in that time period, but it really didn't change. So you guys met, and you'll see, eventually you got married, and you had kids, correct? Yes, we have. Um, I had four kids previously, and um, uh, they, my kids, my older four, are 18, 16, 13, and 11. And then um, I had my tooth tied after my 11 year old. And then when I met my husband, he wanted nothing more than to be a daddy. So I went out to California and had my tubes reversed. And we have a three year old, a two year old, and our baby will be one next month. And then we got a. Um, Took in a little girl as like a foster to adopt um, situation uh, two years ago. And so we've had her for two years. And now, obviously, with this situation, I don't know that we'll be able to adopt her or not. So, I say you guys got together and built your family in, in what state? Was it Arizona or Idaho? In, no, Idaho. Um, I wasn't able to find a house. I put in, I mean, as you probably know, in a city like Phoenix, Arizona, there's, I mean, it's, tons and tons to fill out application fees and blah, blah, blah. And so I wasn't able to find a house in the time that I was there. So I came home, he came back up here two days later um, and he's chronic asthmatic and stuff. And so he wanted to, his, the weather in here was better for his asthma and things. And then he wanted to start a fresh, you know, a new start. And as much as I wanted a new start in Arizona, he wanted a new start here. So we decided to stay here. Okay. So, from and correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, the population of African Americans is, is what about maybe one percent or less? In oh Idaho? yeah, yeah for sure. Okay, so your husband moves up to Idaho, and how was it? You know, in the pub public when you guys was walking around. I mean, did you get oh looks, gosh. stares, etc.? Um, one of the first, uh, probably within the first week that he was here, we had gone to this little diner in town and. We were sitting in a booth and an old um, Caucasian guy and his wife had come in and she pointed to the booth behind us and she said, oh, there's one over there. And as soon as the husband looked at my husband, he grabbed her by the wrist and jerked her across the restaurant to a huge corner booth that fit probably 12 people. 
And they went and sat over there because I'm assuming they didn't want to sit next to us because my husband was black. Um, everywhere we, you know, would go, it was, I mean, people would stare and talk and whisper and so on and so forth. But um, my husband has a really infectious personality. He's he's really funny. He's the guy that makes um, friends at the $3 DVD bin at, the, at Walmart. Um, you know, he played semi-pro football. He worked at the same job for five and a half years and over time now he has a huge network of people that love him we can't go anywhere without somebody knowing him and um, acknowledging him and things like that and so um, just with his personality he managed to change the um, you know the way people treated him in specific but um, people that are not familiar with him you know we still get looks and things like that sometimes but we can't go to Walmart without somebody stopping and talking to him so, um, you know, over the years, it kind of changed for us because of the, the relationship he built with all the people here. But um, initially, it was, it was definitely rough. Okay, so the time period that it was rough and you kind of saw it and, and you knew some of the people was being this way due to racism and white supremacy, correct? Oh, absolutely. My daughter, my 13-year-old girl, is, um, she's mixed as well. And, um, you know, there, she's been called horrible names there's been people that have you know when I was pregnant I was told I should abort her and all kinds of things because she's black and it's it's been rough I mean this is not our first go around with this at all okay so knowing the climate your children you know kind of being attacked your husband's being attacked did you ever think that you know what and I'm just asking questions just, I'm trying to find out like maybe we should consider relocating due to the climate that we're in. Was that ever discussed? Yes, we did talk about that. Um, and we both weren't particularly comfortable with the situation. However, um, he had an incredibly good job, great job. Um, he made really good money. He had incredible benefits. Um, and, you know, we had looked at other jobs and things like that elsewhere. And for him to move, um, anywhere and make what he's making was making here. It just wasn't, it just wasn't something that we were going to be able to, to, uh, it wasn't comparable, um, to move. And so, um, on top of that in December, he had, um, quit his job and enrolled into school, into college. And he, fit, he just finished his last semester of prerequisites to get into the welding program here. Um, and so there was a lot of, um, you know, opportunities here that didn't necessarily, uh, that weren't provided elsewhere. Okay, so hey, you guys decided not to relocate due to you know finances. Um, you guys have your family there. Now let's fast forward to your husband himself. He he never had any run-ins with the law, correct? Um, no, he does have uh, priors um, in the state of Arizona, but he has not had any trouble since he's been here. Um, not any. Outside of minor traffic infractions, um, uh, nothing, you know, expired tags or something like that. Nothing. He has not had any probation, any criminal charges, anything in almost 10 years. Okay. So let, let's take us to the day of the initial accident. And, and can you describe, like, actually what happened? Um, well, I, I was at home, um, which is about 25 minutes from um, where the accident happened. My husband was at his coach's house and he had told the coach he was going to football practice. He had, uh, before he left the house, he had texted the team captain 
and said, are we still on for practice today? And he said, yes. And so Sitter said, okay, I'll be there. And then he called me and he said, I'm going to football practice. I'll see you. I'll, you know, I'll see you when I get done. I said, okay. And hung up the phone. And then 25 minutes later, maybe after that conversation, which, um, the coach lives about four blocks from the scene of the accident. So, um, after I hung up with him 25 minutes later, I opened Facebook and there's a picture of the accident on Facebook. Now, I mean, this is my husband. We bought our vehicles together. I knew where the coach lived. I knew that was my husband's truck from, I mean, as soon as I saw it. And so um, I said, oh my gosh, that's Cedric's truck. And so, you know, I told my kids and I called my best friend and I said, can you come sit with the kids? I got, I have to go. And I ran into town to the scene of the accident. By the time I got there, he was already life flighted to Boise, um, which is two and a half hours away. And nobody had any information for me whatsoever. Um, I, I had, they didn't, couldn't tell me how he was doing, what had happened, nothing about nothing. Um, and so I then gassed up and my best friend had drove me up to Boise to, to the hospital to be with him. Um, but as far as I was aware and everyone else that's in our lives that he had spoken to, he was on his way to football practice. Okay. So he was life flighted to the hospital. And so you was trying to go over there to see your husband and then what happened when you showed up? Um, I got there. They had him um, in a neck brace and, um, you know, all of that stuff. He was still in the emergency room. And so I got there. Um, they moved him up to a, a room up above um, in, a, in a room room. And um, I was actually really kind of disappointed. I learned he had severe head trauma. Uh, he lost a balance, couldn't sit up. Um, his head and his neck hurt. He was, um, his eyes could, weren't focusing. I mean, every sign of head trauma. Uh, I found out that they did not give him an MRI to check for head trauma, uh, to check for brain bleeds, to check for anything. Um, they gave him a CT scan, which um, doesn't, you know, if you did an MRI with um, contrast, it would show a lot more things than what a CT scan would do. Uh, so they did not treat him for head trauma at all. Um, they gave him a bunch of medication. They were trying to uh, chemically sedate him, um, in my opinion. That's what I feel like they were doing. And so they gave him a bunch of medication um, to keep him sleeping. And, um, and he was there until Sunday. Well, then on Sunday, um, I had come home to shower that day, which is two and a half hours each way. And by the time I got back there, I noticed that his face was different and his jaw he was holding his jaw a certain way and he couldn't talk right and i said what's what's going on he said i don't know and he kept moving his his face trying to get his jaw to move and his tongue was swelling and so he couldn't enunciate his words and um i told the nurses that there was something going on he was having an allergic reaction to something his mother also told the nurses the same thing and they never even came to check on him never nothing um and then um, there was a, a situation um, in the hospital that, for whatever reason, they the nurses said that um, they needed me to leave the hospital. So I left, and I was sitting at the gas station in front of the hospital, and I saw a bunch of cop cars go by, and I was like, what in the world is going on here? Well, come to find out, they made me leave the hospital, um, and when I left the hospital, Cedric said, told them, I can't breathe, I'm having a hard time. 
Um, you know, I don't know what's going on, but I need fresh air and I want to see if I can catch my wife before she leaves the parking lot. And so he was going to go outside and the security guard went to grab him and Cedric pushed his arms away from him. And so they filed a felony battery on a healthcare worker that day and booked him into the Ada County jail. The moment he got to the Ada County jail, they knew, noticed the, 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 his face paralyzed, his lockjaw, his tongue, all of those things. They gave him Benadryl, and within 45 minutes, he could speak clearly. Oh, wow. Yeah, so now we have a situation, which I told them when they told me to leave. Um, I told them that, um, I said, I don't, I don't know why I have to, I don't know why I have to leave. And I don't want, if I leave, I don't know what's going on. And I don't want you guys to do anything to him. I don't want you to do something to him that's going to, that you can hold against him or get him in trouble for. And she said, oh, that's not going to happen. And not even 15 minutes later, here we are. Um, I called and filed a complaint with the hospital. I said, I want to know why the MRI was not done. I want to know why the allergic reaction was not addressed. And they told me, they sent me a letter back that said the MRI was not done, that the only thing they did do was a CT scan, and um, that there was no notes in his chart about an allergic reaction at all. <clears throat> so now we're dealing with that situation. Um, the public defender in that case, um, he's pretty confident that we can, um, you know, address that appropriately because he had head trauma. He was having allergic reaction. He had a bunch of uh, medication in his system. Um, you know, he, what else do you expect him? He, did, he didn't even know what his name was. When they arrested him or when they took him on a life flight helicopter, he told him his name was Michael Jackson. He couldn't even speak his own name. Wow. So, okay, so he went to county, and is that when they tried to put the charges from the accident on him in county? No, actually, um, the we when he was in county jail in Ada County, um, as soon as he was bondable, which was um, July the 3rd, I went up there. Well, July the 2nd, I went up there at 11 o'clock at night to bond him out. Um, I paid the $500 to get him out. And as soon as he was bonded out, it was like one in the morning by the time we were done. 12. Well, no, it was probably about 12. Um, we were done bonding him out and we were driving home two and a half hours. This is the most frustrating thing ever. And I, you know, we talked about it and we knew that there was going to be some legal ramifications that we were going to have to work through because of the accident and so on and so forth. And so we drove the two and a half hours home. We got off the exit to come home. We were literally maybe three miles from our house. I get lit up by five cop cars. Um, and I thought I wasn't speeding. I wasn't doing anything wrong. I don't know why I'm getting pulled over. Um, they start screaming over the loudspeaker, yelling for my husband to get out of the car. So he gets out, they arrest him. They tell us both that they're arresting him for vehicular manslaughter. And the reason they brought, I said, if you were going to do this, why didn't you arrest him when we walked out of Ada County jail? Well, because if we would have arrested him there, we would have had to book him back into Ada County jail. Then we would have had to put in for transport and, and all of those things. And it could have taken a couple weeks. So we just waited for him to get bondable and for you to bring him down here to rearrest him and put him into Twin Falls County Jail so that we didn't have to worry about transporting him. And at least if he's close, he's close to his family. Wow, that's a bunch of BS and you know it. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I know. And then so that was at 2 a.m. Oh, my gosh. I'm just getting upset even talking about it. The first thing he said to me when they pulled him over and they yelled for him to get out of the car, 
my husband started crying and he said they didn't even let me get to see my kids he they did couldn't even let me kiss my babies before they took me mm -hmm. so they arrest him at two in the morning they book him in at 6 21 a.m is when it says that he was booked in the charging document reads vehicular manslaughter and the next charge is first degree murder and then seven counts of aggravated battery with a deadly weapon below that and they didn't tell us any of these things until he was in arraignment at one o'clock that day. They did not tell him what he was being charged with outside of the vehicular manslaughter until he's in front of the judge and the prosecuting attorney and everybody at one o'clock in the afternoon. And then the judge says, do you know what you're being charged with? And my husband said, yes. And the judge went on to read the charges. He said, I'm going to read the charging document because I don't think you've had a chance to read it. And he carries on to read and he says first degree murder and my husband's like what first degree murder i didn't murder anyone i didn't i didn't mean to hurt anybody i didn't kill anybody on purpose and then they went on to read the seven counts of aggravated battery and so my husband's beside himself i'm broadsided we had no idea this is what they were doing and then um the prosecuting attorney says that he wants him held with no bond because he is a threat to society which he didn't say that, but it says in the, the documents that I got yesterday from the indictment and stuff that he's a threat to society. Um, but he said that he does not want, he wants them held with no bond. The judge agrees. My husband says, how am I supposed to support my wife and my eight children and help pay for these things that are happening if you don't let me get out to work? And they just shut the camera off. And then the prosecuting attorney approached the judge's bench in front of me off record and told the judge that he he wants to charge this case capital and he wants to seek the death penalty if he can convict my husband he said that right in front of me well well right now i'm actually as you're talking i was pulling up the first degree murder laws in in idaho and they say that every person guilty of murder of the first degree must be punished by death or by imprisonment for life that is um in your state and yes you know so how could they how could they charge him with first degree murder for a car accident i'm curious about that well you know the only thing that any of us can really come because he didn't give a statement to cops without an attorney um which that doesn't ever go over well here ever um every time that happens um you know they stack on charges they make things a mountain out of a molehill um basically but he um they're saying that because the accelerator pedal was at 100 percent and he did not attempt to brake before uh impact which they pulled this information from the black box on the truck um and from witnesses now there's they're not considering medical they're not considering mechanical issues they're not considering any of those things they're just basing it off of the malice intent and premeditation they're stating is that he was at 100 percent acceleration and that he did not attempt to break before or after impact um and that is what they're basing it off of, uh, is their, their main, you know, point of charging it this way. So they're saying basically that he didn't hit the brake quick enough. So because of the speed, he basically intentionally um, meant to do that. Right. They're saying, and what you, my husband didn't even know anybody in the accident. None of them. Um, he was going to football practice. The team captain knows that. I know that. The coach knows that. We've all told them that. They don't, I, I, like, I don't, 
I mean, I know in my heart, I know what this is coming from, but they're reasoning for what it's coming from is the acceleration and the lack of braking. Well, okay. Well, well, you know, with me, we, we need to get down to the, the bottom of it. What, how do you, what do you feel is coming from? Um, well, I think that, um, so immediately following this accident, um, there was several comments made on all of the news articles, um, talking about he should be lynched. He should be hung. Um, let the family of the loved ones watch him hang to death, um, all kinds of horrible things. And so the whole community is invested in this. Um, the prosecuting attorney is in the middle of his reelection campaign. Um, and my husband is black in a predominantly white area that was actually doing well for himself in terms of going to college and having a family and, and all of those things. He was, he was doing really well. And this accident happened. The couple that, that was, um, impacted the worst from this is a well-known couple, uh, family in our area. Um, and so I think it, because of the community's involvement in this, um, I think that it was, I, I believe inside my heart that this is racially charged. And I have to say it that way um, to cover my own uh, behind. But in my heart, I feel like it's absolutely racially charged. There was a guy on Sunday that was driving drunk two and a half times the legal limit. Um, a Caucasian guy that rear-ended another car at a high rate of speed and killed three little girls, um, ages five, six, and three, um, severely injured. The mother and the father uh, may never be able to walk again. And he was charged with three counts of vehicular manslaughter and two um, drunk driving charges for killing these three babies. Um, and he had a prior DUI as well. Hmm. Well... Sounds like that your suspicions are correct. Sounds like they're completely correct. So your black husband get hit with first degree murder, um, seven other, what what do you call it, assault charges? What do you call it? Aggravated assault charges? Aggravated battery with enhanced with a deadly weapon because they're saying that he used his truck to harm them. And then in this accident with the uh, drunk driver, that guy did not receive charges for the, the damages done to the mother and father in that vehicle, whereas my husband has been charged with seven charges of aggravated battery for the other occupants in the car. Okay, let me ask you another question. Um, and, and I'm just asking just, just for a reason. Is that area where you live, um, is, do they vote um, more so to support Donald Trump? Um. Yes, it's it's very much a red state. It's very much a Republican state. Okay, all right. Another another question: Do I have is basically what you're saying is the town you know is full of racism. Um, they they when you hear saying something about you know lynching people, that's what what a KKK or white supremacist thinks, right? Right. Um, the biggest thing that he done wrong. I'm gonna tell you what he done wrong because I study racism, white supremacy all the time. I tell people that there, I know a lot of people who are white that are good people that fight against it, but unfortunately the minority, what happened was you had a black man come to their town married to you. Okay. For that's, that's violation. Number one, even though you don't think that way, that's what they thought. Oh okay? no, no. I can acknowledge that yeah, as well. With the, with the looks and the stares, etc. He gets in a car accident and some white people died. Now, any type of, uh, anytime a black person, kills any white person it's going to be hell to pay oh yeah whether it's a police officer or just a regular guy 
it's going to be hell to pay. Just like that guy mm -hmm. that uh, was in Minnesota, the other police officer, Muhammad Noor, he shot the one lady one time and he said he, he was scared for his partner. He did it one time. Yeah. He got 12 years, but we'll see videos of, you know, white police officers shooting uh, maybe a black man a hundred times. And he say, Oh, he was in fear of his life. He can walk away from it. Okay. Well, even aside of that, my, my child, my older two boys, dad was a white man and he was shot and killed by a white police officer and he got justifiable homicide and that not a thing was done. And that was 11 years ago tomorrow that that happened. Um, and that was a white on white. And so it was justifiable homicide, even though my ex-husband was not armed, was n none of those things. Um, he he got justifiable homicide because it was white on white. Right. Well, you know, they do shoot more white people at times. And and that's the truth. Of course, they're going to shoot more white people. You're definitely in Idaho. Right. I mean, come on. Well, right. But we're talking about the those stories do happen. We're talking about this country and the average way things happen. So let's go back to your husband's situation. Prosecutor want to run for reelection. He want to make an example out of, unfortunately, that's what it sounds like to me. He want to make an example out of your husband. Is Absolutely. It, is there any way, shape or form that his case, you know, I don't know, could be moved to a, a better area where he feel he have a fair trial? Um, is there anywhere in Idaho you think he have a fair trial? Well, here's the situation with that is um, I was told that if we put in for a change of venue, that we would have to pay a private co polling company to contact the residents of this county and see if 80% have heard of this case. And if 80% of the people they contact has heard of this case, then we can get it moved to a different county. Now, there is other counties that... Um, that there might be, you know, a more fair trial when this when the story was posted in Ada County um, on there on Boise's news page. Um, there were several comments talking about, oh, my gosh, why murder one? And some guy said, oh, you know why they're charging him like this? Because he's not white and his parents aren't rich. Mm. So what they're saying is if he was if his parents had money, then they wouldn't they wouldn't mess with him. Well, that's what one of the commenters on the Boise uh, news article had said. Um, yes, basically, if he was white or if his parents were rich, then then he wouldn't be getting this. So what is the next steps then? Are you guys going to try to get the poll done or, or try to move? Well, at, here's the situation. Um, we have eight children at home. Um, I'm working two jobs to try to pay for his attorney and um, support my family and, and so on and so forth. And so um, we are retaining a lawyer. Uh, the lawyer is is going to try to put in for a change of venue, and we'll have to jump through whatever hoops comes with that. Um, we have sent set I set up a uh, GoFundMe account for his defense uh, expenses, and within two hours it was removed. Someone had reported it, and due to the nature of his charges, GoFundMe will not allow us to do a campaign on their site. So um, there's another one called Go Get Funding that we set up a campaign on. Um, uh, Cedric Mitchell's uh, Free Cedric Mitchell is the name of the campaign. Um, to raise funds to pay for the lawyer. Now we have to have 5,000 down for the lawyer um, to retain him for a total of a $25,000 retainer and I can make payments on the other 20,000. We need 25,000 in a trust account to pay for uh, medical and mechanical experts and things of that nature. And then it's gonna be $2,500 a day for a 10 day trial is what they've got it set for. Um, and if our attorney is able to put in for a bond hearing and try to negotiate the bond down to even 250000 um, we have to have at least 5000 down on the bond um, and make payments on the rest of the bond and uh, for my husband to get out and be able to work 
to help pay for the attorney's expenses and, and all of these things as well. So at this point, um, I'm trying to get the money up to pay the 5000 down to retain the lawyer and then move, start moving forward that way. Wow. So have you, when last time have you talked to him? I talk to him every day. Okay. All right. You talk to him every day. What, you go up there or you make calls? Oh, no. They don't let you see him here. It's all on video chat. Um, and, you know, he's – I just keep telling him, you know, there's there's a lot, a lot of people that are standing behind him, that he has support nationwide. Um, there's a lot of, of people that have picked up his case and have, um, you know, wrote articles and things like that. Um, and there's a lot of people involved. Um, and so I just keep telling him there's a lot of people that are helping – to work through this. Uh, he called me two days ago and he was crying and he said, I'm scared. This man's never been scared a day in his life. And he told me that he's scared that they're going to take his life either through the death penalty or life in prison and that he's not going to be there for his kids. Yeah, that's man, man, man. That just... I mean, my husband is six foot tall and 300 pounds. He's been a lineman, you know, for a semi-pro football team here for a couple of years, you know, he's, he's a really big teddy bear. He's easy going. He's not somebody that's afraid of anything. And, you know, when he sees the kids on video chat, he cries and he just says how much he misses his kids. He's never been away from them a day in their lives until this happened. My three-year-old is talking in his sleep, asking people to help him find his daddy. My two-year-old is a daddy's girl. And sometimes she just cries inconsolably for her daddy. You know, he's calling me crying because he misses them crying because he's afraid they're going to take his life. Um, I actually talked to a guard in the jail. Um, they had him in solitary confinement for the first 15 days he was there due to the nature of his charges. And I had called and talked to one of the officers, and he said, I go down there and talk to him, you know, every day, a couple times a day. We have conversations about football, about his family. I don't see a single sign of aggression of anything. I don't even know why they're charging him like this. And this is coming from a white jail cop that has daily interactions with my husband. Right. That's, uh, yeah, they trying to railroad him. Man, that just, but you know, it doesn't surprise me at all. It doesn't surprise me. And, and, and that's why I get really frustrated with this country because, you know, they don't want to treat people as people. They want to treat people by color. And, and, and you know, and, and who wants to live like that? You, you get what I'm saying? There's no way to live. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, there uh, in the first the first week after this happened, um, we were getting comments on those news articles talking about um, that myself and my children should be killed so that my husband knows what it's like to bury someone that he loves. Like this man had to bury his wife. Um, my kids did not get to go to um, the Fourth of July parade or the fireworks or uh, they can't go to the park for lunch because people are talking and whispering. And I don't trust even my children in public at this time. Um, you know, I, I just don't. Do you think it would be better for you guys to move to that other county where the people aren't as racist? Um, yes. Uh, I have full um, intentions of um, as soon as this situation is remedied, whatever years he gets, um, whatever, I we have full intentions on um, moving his probation, parole, whatever somewhere away from here uh because i don't i don't trust his life my life or my children's lives here um with the way these things these things are at this moment 
Okay, so in in the future, if like you said, in case somebody's ever thinking like that, um, like maybe a, a lady you may know or a guy you may know that want to possibly uh, they're all over in the date, screening and stuff. Date or uh, marry a black person. Would would it be safe to say you would tell them to stay away from places like Idaho and move somewhere where it's more, um, you know, maybe more black people or or a mixture of people? Oh yes. Um, in fact, I I reached out to uh, a very well known um, activist, and the first thing he said is, "What in the hell was he doing in Idaho?" Yeah, that's the and same I, thing I would say. Yes, and that well because. You know, when he was in Arizona, he there's not a lot of job opportunities and so on and so forth. And he came here and he was just it's a fresh start for him. And and we didn't intend on staying here. But when he got that job with the benefits and things, you know, we just he just wanted to stay here. And, he, you know, like I said, he made such a huge network of friends. You know, he works at a, a company that has, I don't know, 350 employees. And of course, he's the only black guy or black person, period, that works there. And not a single one of them has a bad thing to say about him. He plays semi-pro. Not all of his team is behind him. His teammates are behind him. Um, you know, everybody that he's met, he has a good relationship with. And so we have a huge, you know, he has a, a huge support here. And and so he kind of got comfortable um, with his job and the benefits and now going to college. And he was so excited about being able to, you know, get a degree under his belt and support his family and, um, you know, things like that, that we were just going to stay here until he got his degree. And then we were planning to move away from here so that I could go to law school, oddly enough. And, um, and, you know, he could start his own welding company and, you know, just have a life. And this has just completely ruined every dream that we had. Well, I would, I would do this much. I don't know what kind of law that he was going to go into, but I would, if you can, still go to law school um, because it's all kind of cases like this that you heard, you know, cases like the Central Park Five and all kind of cases where you just railroad people into the system. And these prosecutors, like I said, they don't care about nobody. You know, that's that, I talk about this all the time. You know, you got this issues in this country, especially with this president that we have now, a lot of them just really acting up, you know, more than possible, you know, with the racism. So um, you talked about the, um, you know, the support, you know, for your husband. Cause like I say, this case is very interesting just to me to hear that. But at the same time, it, it also reiterates what I talk about on my show is that black Americans aren't safe in areas like Idaho, Iowa, all those little places. So there's no black people. I mean, it's just, you just not, you know, and, and, your story kind of proving that a little bit to me, you know, kind of solidifying and you kind of admitting to that. Um, but how can people that do want to support, how can they do that before we wrap up? Um, well, the biggest thing right now that um, we need help with is um, of course, if any activists, any, um, you know, uh, black uh, rights lawyers, I've contacted uh, the black lawyers for justice, um, you know, anything along that line um, that wants to help, um, I do have an attorney that's willing to work with anyone that would like to help this case uh, through pro, uh, pro, it's called Pro Haceviche, where they can help represent Cedric under the attorney's um, license here. Um, and so anybody that's, that's willing to uh, kind of help build a team or an army to help fight this, 
that's that's kind of what I'm going for for one and for two um, that campaign is up um, and I have the, the amount set for five thousand because that's the initial five thousand down um, but we are gonna need a total of seventy five thousand by the time this is all said and done um, and so if anybody is able to help with that um, like I said I've got eight kids and I'm working two jobs um, just trying to to be able to support this whole thing and make sure that he has the best chance he has at, at fair treatment. <clears throat> um, and so that's, it's the free Cedric Mitchell and it's on gogetfunding.com. Um, if anyone is able to, to help with that. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as a, you definitely heard the story it is very, very, you know, the interesting, but it definitely says a lot. And if you'd like to help out, you know, the brother, uh, with that particular case, uh, we will provide the link and you can definitely go over there. So Miss Tiffany, we, we hope everything definitely works out for the kids and, and yourself and, um, your husband. I mean, and hope he, you know, these charges get dropped, um, because that's kind of thing. these charges are ridiculous and trumped up really. Well, uh, um, you know, just to add an extra little something, um, and this is just a couple of things. Um, there's been a handful of cases here. Uh, one was a woman that had hit a firefighter on a bicycle and, um, and unfortunately he passed away. She was charged. Uh, she ended up pleading down to a, a misdemeanor vehicular manslaughter and felony leaving the scene of the accident. Um, another woman, and that was in our same exact County. Um, uh, the next County over, there was a girl that crossed the yellow line that was intoxicated, hit a car and killed them. She got a misdemeanor vehicular manslaughter as well. Um, both of these women got credit for time served. I think one was 90 days and one was 120 days. Uh, one got seven years of probation. The other got five years of probation. Um, there's a guy in Boise um, that hit an elderly couple and killed them both in broad daylight with a uh, list of reckless driving and tailgating and so on and so forth uh, on his record. And he got charged with two misdemeanor charges of vehicular manslaughter um, as well. And then, you know, this guy that just hit and killed these three little girls, he got three charges of vehicular manslaughter. This is the only case in the state of Idaho that has been charged this way. Um, and this is the only case that we've been able to find that the quote unquote defendant was charged with um, all of the other living occupants in the other vehicles, which they sent him to the grand jury and um, Setter's case two weeks ago now today. Um, and the grand jury is used when the, and this is something I pulled up from the internet. The grand jury is used when the prosecution does not have enough evidence to convince a judge that the charges fit the crime. So they put him through the grand jury and two of those seven counts of the uh, aggravated battery were found with um, insufficient evidence. So they did dismiss two of the five or two of the seven. So now he has five charges of aggravated battery with a, enhanced with a deadly weapon on top of this first degree murder charge. And um, because of his history uh, before he moved here, um, if they if they pursue the habitual offender law that adds five years per count that he is convicted of, um, a piece to run consecutive to whatever he's given in terms of um, of his time. So if he's given 20 years and he's convicted of three of these, they will tack another 15 years to run concurrent on top of the years that he gets. Oh, these American kangaroo courts, I tell you, you know, like I said, and uh, man, I hope these charges can get dropped and he don't get railroaded into the system. Like I said, they, but you know, if something do happen, like I say, you, you definitely can appeal, you know, if, 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 you know, you can appeal and 
Just because one court says it don't mean another court will agree with it if you go to a higher court. So, um, you know, Tiffany, thank you for, like I said, joining us on the show today and letting us know about this case. Uh, you guys heard, you know, what they need help on. So if you can, you know, donate anything, um, we would, um, you know, appreciate if you do choose to do that. So, you know, hope to take care of the kids and everything go well. And let us know of any um, developments that happen with this case. Okay. Um, also, there was a, uh, a story that was just done on a um, site called Raw Story that they just did. They just released that today um, as well, if anybody has an interest in reading about that as well. Um, but, yeah, if we can get any legal professionals that would be interested in being involved um, and any, if anybody has it in their heart to, to help monetarily, that would be, I mean, that would be a huge help. And I appreciate you so much for even you know, addressing this and putting this out because this, this is, this should be an outrage nation nationwide. This should be an outrage and, and it shouldn't take for one of these black men to be killed for it to be an outrage. I agree. So thank you guys for listening and see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Philo Scott audio experience. I hope you learned something from our program. Make sure if it's your first time here, go and check out all the episodes that we have. Start binge listening. That way you can get acclimated to everything that we're talking about. If you like our show and we would greatly appreciate you liking the show, support us monthly. You can do it as little as a dollar or more. Support of the show helps us to keep going, helps us to change, upgrade, buy equipment. You know, eventually we're going to start bringing guests in and we want to make sure we put on a great show for you guys. So support is definitely something that we greatly appreciate. We definitely appreciate all our supporters that we have now. We love you. We cherish you. Thank you for everything that you're doing. See you next time.